I'm really excited to talk to you today and to learn more about your foundation, Shine Safe, how you started it, why you started it, as we're going into the summer months, talking about the sun and exposure to the sun. Um, then, of course, skin cancer are all subjects that should be top of mind. Obviously, we're in a really bizarre time right now with stay-at-home orders, but that are starting to be lifted. And yeah. the only thing that we can do to stay sane is to get a breath of fresh air and to be outside, being cautious and taking precautions and covering, using sunscreen are all really important things. So I think it's, it's top of mind. It's apropos. So I'm really happy to talk to you today. So just start off by telling me a little bit about yourself and how you started this organization and why. Sure. For, uh, first of all, thank you so much for touching base. Um, like you mentioned, it is a bit of a wild and unsettling time. And I think it's still, even given that, I think it's still really important that we be mindful of um, other health conditions and other things going on with our health in hopes of prevention and also in hopes of not letting things go sideways. Um, it's also a little bit of a scary time because we aren't able to to get regular medical care. We aren't able to, for example, with um, skin cancer, we aren't able to see our dermatologist. At least it's a little bit difficult now, even though there are some ways with telederm and telemedicine, which I would encourage people to see if their dermatologists do during this time. But back to your question. So I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I was, if I have to look back at my childhood, I think I was pretty good about my sun exposure. I did do swim team in Arinda, which is a huge swim team community out in the La Mirinda area. So for six years during the summer, I was getting a lot of exposure. And I do remember having sunscreen, but clearly I don't remember all the times if I was putting it on, was I reapplying it after a practice? Was I reapplying it later when I was just playing around in the water? So those are questions I've often asked myself. And so in looking back at that, in my childhood and in then going to high school, I remember trying to get a little bit of a glow. And really what sort of changed my thought was I don't know if you remember, um, and I think it's still around Clinique City Block, and I was very fascinated with the fact of having a sunscreen come out with the word city in it, and that really mm. increased my awareness for, wait a minute, this isn't just something that I might be needing to do during the summer. This is something I probably should be doing um, year-round, and so... Later in life, um, I went to college in the area. I also went to graduate school um, for nonprofit administration, and I never thought I wanted to start a foundation or a charity. I always wanted to work for a grant-making foundation and or private foundation, and I never thought I would be a good grant maker unless I really learned on the other side of it how to raise money. So I ended up having um, getting really interested in health care and health care philanthropy. I also in grad school did an internship at the Make-A-Wish Foundation. So I would help put together wishes for kids that were touched by life-threatening diseases. And so I think this is all to say that I think throughout the beginning of my career, I was very aware of health and I was aware of how philanthropy could help raise 
awareness for causes and help make medical centers better with the services they offered. Um, so a little fast forward after grad school, getting my master's in nonprofit administration, I worked for two medical centers here in the Bay Area and then ended up moving on from that. And during that time, I got married and my husband and I were going to, this was 2007 and then fast forward, he was um, had a diagnosis in 2008. So he, we were on an airplane going to a dear friend's wedding in Mexico. And it was, there were three seats on one side of the plane, three seats on the other, and an aisle down the middle. And so my husband took a seat right on the aisle, and a woman sat down next to him. And he said, oh, I think you're in my wife's seat. And then the man on the other side said, oh, I think that's my wife's seat. And it turned out it was not my seat. It was, um, he was sitting next to this woman who turned out was going to the same wedding and I sat on the other side of the aisle, and they talked for a good part of the plane ride, which was funny because usually he was working, and he had a nice conversation with them, and she sat on his left side, and the whole way down to Mexico, she could see that he had some raised pigment on his eye, so if you can imagine a mole, a brown colored mole on the white of your eye, and that's what he had. And fast forward, she had just finished her fellowship at UCSF Medical Center under a world-renowned uh, ocular oncologist. And she, long story short, she pestered him and pestered him. And he had had it looked at by, I think, three doctors and three medical centers. And everyone said, oh, it's no big deal. It's probably this, you know, probably this thing called preliminary acquired melanosis, not, it can't be something that serious. We don't think so. Fast forward, she pestered him and said, get that thing out, get it biopsied. And mind you, this is on your eye. So this isn't, this is invasive and this isn't a mole maybe on your arm. And this is, this is surgery. Um, So fast forward, it turned out to be melanoma. And I think to answer your question, having this nonprofit background and then having a dear loved one diagnosed with this uh, really changed how I thought about the sun. And then later, you know, fast forward now, um, I was able to sort of, and then having my own children, I have three young, we have three young children, and I see how they're vastly underprotected on a daily basis in the sun. Um, the kids are at the parks, at schools. And so that's, that I would say was when I really focused on this. And that's why I decided to create Shine Safe. But it was a sheer miracle that he sat next to Dr. Krista Ramones on that flight and that she was going to the same wedding and that she was sitting on the side uh, where she could see that the tumor was raised and had some characteristics that made her feel not confident and that she she persisted. And um, so that was his first, then in 2008 is when he got treatment for it. We, he had to have, he had a biopsy and we were on vacation and it was in the summer and it was one of those calls you never want to get. And it was his surgeon saying, this 
we have your results, it's melanoma, you need to come in, I'm scheduling you for surgery next week. And that was his second surgery, if you call the first one a biopsy, and he's had three surgeries. That is, I mean, I can not think of anything scarier than having surgery on my eyeball. I just can't. It's like a horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they, <laughs> it happens. And yeah. And thank God there are oh my God. physicians that deal with this and can get, and that we were able, lucky enough to get care. He had to do chemo drops. Who knew that you could have drops <laughs> like an eye drop in, in your eye that was chemotherapy. Um, right. and that it was treated. And so then fast forward, This then in 2012, because my daughter was born in 2012, and after all that, he, he was always very uh, conscious of the sun. But because of that, I think we became even more so. And then in 2012, when our daughter was born, he had to have his third and thankfully has been his last surgery um, because there was some pigment that started to grow. So they measure and look at the characteristics of it. And so thankfully, um, and in that, <laughs> and back to the horror story, um, which wasn't, but it's a interesting image is that his third surgery, he was awake for and, um, Oh could see uh, during the surgery, and so thankfully they got all clear, clean margins, um, and that was in 2012. And we have, as a family, and then we, my first child, our first child was born in 2010, and I think in that, any sort of partner or loved one who has a loved one diagnosed with something and I think a lot of people can understand that waiting for pathology is a just a pain, just a bit, it's really hard. And mm -hmm. I think part of, there's so much unknown, you feel vulnerable. I had two young children. My daughter was seven weeks old and my son was 19 months old. So I had these two babies and I felt very, very vulnerable in scared that my husband was going in for a third surgery. I remember bringing my pump to the hospital and, you know, thankfully my mom was with the kids, but pumping in the bathroom and just fumbling and shaking. And I think part of why I think I created Shine Safe is to say, hey, this is, there are, there are, this can go sideways. This is largely preventable. We don't have to be scared, but we do have to be mindful and we have to make good choices and be aware of our choices with the sun and our health and our children. And also it can go sideways. I got tagged today and an, or Shine Safe got tagged today in an Instagram post from a woman saying we need to be mindful of our exposure and her cancer didn't have a primary source. It went directly to her lymph nodes and mm -hmm. how we need to be vigilant. And I think, again, we don't need to walk around being fearful and we could live a wonderful, right. active life outside, but we have to be vigilant about getting care, checking 
our skin, our partners, our kids, our loved ones, mentioning something, if we see something, even if we're not doctors, and I'm not a doctor, I'm an advocate for sun safety and prevention, but say something, even if it, even if it's like, oh, mom, that looks weird, like, go get it, just go get it checked out, or just go get it checked out, just get everything checked out. That is, Um, uh, yeah, that is my, that is my absolute um, tagline, I mean, that is what I say to everyone, I mean, I've been saying it for, you know, 20 plus years to women in my, in the field that I run in, which is, you know, preventive care for women's cancers, but it really applies to everything, which is know your normal. And when it's not your normal, you need to be your own best advocate. You need to do something about it. So for, you know, in in relative to this conversation, it's know what's normal on your body and on your partner's body, on your kid's body, on your best friend's body, your sister, your brother, whatever. And wait, that that wasn't there before, or that mole right. wasn't there, or that weird, you know, sort of dry patch on your forehead wasn't there before. And then don't ignore it and assume it's going to go away. You know, don't do something about it. And of course, like you said, there's there's a fine line between being vigilant and being smart and and taking care of yourself and being crazy, you know, and never leaving your house right. or never walking around without an umbrella over your head. But there are ways, you know, but there are ways to be smart and to be and to be safe. And I think that is exactly the point. And and I think that's the most amazing thing about um, about skin cancer, which is in general, obviously, there are outliers and there are you know cases that totally, you know, are, don't fall under this category. But I would say in general and the majority of the cases we can control and it mm-hmm. is a cancer in which we do have a lot of control over and there are so many amazing products out there that allow us to live a really you know well-rounded happy life outside in a lot of places around the world that we can and we can take care of ourselves and we can take care of our kids and our loved ones by using really good um, clothing and hats and sunglasses, of course, um, and skin protectants. Um, mm-hmm. I know, you know, it's amazing. I think of there's a couple places in Hawaii that we've taken our kids when when they were really little, and it was kind of like no matter what we did, they would get burned. Um, mm-hmm. We're really fair. My my husband and I are are pretty fair skinned, and our kids, especially when they were little, were really fair skinned and. My gosh, I mean, they would never be without a sun, a, um, a swim shirt on that had SPF 70 in it and sunscreen underneath and hats yeah. and they would wear goggles in the water. And it was like, no matter what, they, they just, we could not, not let them get burned. It was horrible. Um, until finally it was like, you know, reapplying and then putting the sun shirt on and then getting out of the sun for the middle of the day. It was crazy, and we just realized there were just parts of the world that we really, like, couldn't go safely, (laughs) Mm. Um, I guess, based on ozone layer or based on just the intensity of the sun at certain times of the year. But other than that, I do think there are are ways, and I think advocacy and what you're doing is so – it's so important. And, you know, we're so lucky to be in – cities, I'm in Los Angeles, and cities that are, you know, have so much education and 
so we have so much access to all these amazing products, you know. Um, yeah. I'm sure I'm a little older than you are, I think. But, you know, when I was growing up, it was, you know, SPF 4 or bust. Right, you know, right. Like, I remember that. More than that, you wouldn't. <laughs> Yeah, you wouldn't get any color, and it was what was the point? And it was, you know, I think there were like, I'm not going to mention any brands, but there were like three, you know, products on the shelves, and they were really for tanning. They weren't for protecting your skin. And now there are so many options ranging from those still same things, but then, you know, organic and all natural and, you know, such high SPF and, and just things that I put on my kids' face every day that are just lotion with SPF in it that they use and and we're lucky to have access and of course there are places that that people don't um so tell me more about like how you advocate and how you get the word out and and what you think about you know really educating when kids are really young and how yeah. you do that so it becomes part of their their routine so that it's not even you know it's brushing your teeth or it's you know washing your hands how, how do you do that well, that's uh, it's um, so we have a phrase in our house exactly which why I'm chuckling a little bit. We have a phrase it's it's called teeth and cream, and in that it's it means have you done your teeth and have you put your sunscreen on, and that's our family's way of our children at the very same time as they're doing their teeth, which is a daily habit. Put your sunscreen on as a daily habit, and of course it was a little different when kids were back in school and you had that push out the door, but we try to make it as easy now that melanoma is part of our family history because of their father. We try to make it easy as we can for kids, for our kids to be protected. And and it, it's a little tricky because what I found with preschool, I found that they were very good about the the narrative about the communication that came out from the school in terms of prevention and they said bring your sunscreen put a piece of tape on it with your kid's name on it and we'll put it in a bucket and we'll help them put it on if you choose if you'd like to be part of that and I thought as someone who is obviously sun conscious and this is important to me. I thought how wonderful. So we would put in their backpacks sunglasses, hats, and sunscreen. And the teachers are really helpful. But what I've seen with older children, once my kids went to kindergarten, that narrative isn't as um, distributed to, I think, the parent population. So part of, and of course, with everybody sheltering at home, some of my plans for Shine Safe have gotten tabled, which is okay, and I'll plan on gearing up when with this when we were able to do so. But really looking at schools and okay, well you have to get the kids vaccinated. You can't you can't put peanut butter in their lunches. What's the communication about sunscreen? And what's the communication about sun safety? And are we going to encourage the kids to bring hats and sunglasses to school and remind them and remind them to put on their their sunscreen to reapply? And then sort of to go back to your earlier question about what we're doing with Shine Safe, um, one of my primary goals with Shine Safe is there there are so many wonderful other nonprofits out there that are doing prevention and awareness. And there are large foundations 
with you know big overhead I didn't want to duplicate any programs because I thought hey these these people are professionals in their field they have top surgeons and people on their boards what can I do to not duplicate and not also compete for funding sources but what can I do that's a little different and so with my nonprofit background, I thought, well, one thing I'm not seeing as maybe a consumer or as a mother is I'm not seeing a platform that connects advocates and different people and different organizations in this space. And I also thought that we had to, because so much of us were so busy, I also can't compete for your your eyes. I have to go where your eyes already are, and that's social media. And so I said, well, I need to build a really strong social media feed to go where people's eyes are, and then all, and then from there, build a community of people who who to leverage our cause, who have huge following, a huge a huge following, and huge followers. And so I, I had to look at ShineSafe and your skin as a brand. And what are we selling? We're selling your health. We're selling your wellness. And we're really selling, selling, limiting your chances of getting skin cancer, which is the world's number one cancer. So um, as you know, we launched our website last week, which I wasn't sure, you know, given the pandemic and what to do. And then I thought, finally, at the end of the day, I had so much bigger things planned for our launch, but because of the state of the world, I, you know, we had to see what was most appropriate. And also by being dark, by not having our lights on, to, by not having a platform that was visible to people, I wasn't serving anyone. And I was seeing in this time we've been sheltering, people on Instagram with sunburns, people I'm following, following workouts and they're getting sunburns and I'm seeing tan lines and I finally thought even the most health conscious people we need to help people be more mindful of this and and so I really tried to build this community of supporters and people who have followers who believe in your health and a lot of those are dermatologists and skincare founders who are into green beauty and non-toxic beauty. The estheticians who help people really take care of their skin. And in the end of a lot of these, some of the celebrity makeup artists that I've connected with who are responsible for red carpet looks at Oscars are among some of the biggest supporters for this. And because part of their job is to minimize the look of sun damage and premature aging and things like that. So we've really, we're trying to build a community and it's also the magazine editors who they're the ones who decide what content we see. And so really trying to build that community and then also sharing the stories of survivors. And, you know, this isn't always a case of removing a mole, like taking the tag off of a shirt, and that's the end of it. Like we talked about earlier, you're waiting for pathology to come back. This is a tumor. This is cancer. And it's not, oh, and for the most part, it's preventable and treatable. But there are these situations, like I mentioned with the person who tagged us today, it goes to your lymph nodes without any primary um, 
she didn't have a mole. And so these are not all the cases and they're a minority, but let's just be mindful of it. And and then I think also we need to re-examine some of the narratives that are dangerous and actually potentially deadly. Um, this morning when I was having a cup of coffee before everyone was awake in my house, I was re-looking um, at Instagram and I looked for the hashtag for tan. And there are 14 million tags on Instagram that use that. And you look at that and it's people on the beach and this they're promoting sun exposure and active tanning. And this is dangerous. It's really dangerous. And also, there were 4.9 million hashtags that used the word hashtag sunkissed. And these are really, I think, when you have a lot of people looking at quote-unquote influencers who are normalizing and even glorifying tanning, it's, it's not helpful. It's dangerous. And it creates a false sense of safety in doing this to your skin. And I think we all need to be really mindful of that. I totally agree. I mean, I, there's, it's, it's definitely an uphill battle. Um, and I, I don't know if we can allow this to get into a conversation about influencers promoting bad habits because we could go on and on for hours, but <laughs> um, yeah. I do think, yeah, that, I think the best way to handle it, my opinion would be a really positive way to handle it would be certainly starting in our own households with our own kids and promoting good health and good choices and um, steering them away from, you know, idolizing people who make bad choices and who are promoting themselves in sort of the, you know, wrong ways to, I don't know, we can't go down this road, but um, but in terms of that, that being the idea of beauty and of health, um, it is it is something we have to address, and you are addressing it head on, and I think we're all really thankful for that. I know we are all really thankful for that. And there are ways to look sun-kissed and healthy um, and beautiful without baking in the sun, of course. And True. that is something phenomenal that our – we've been able to do as a society and using technology and innovation, right? That we can have a glow without baking in the sun. So I think that one thing you said earlier that really resonated with me was this idea of when kids are really young, that even at school, they promote these really great habits of here's your bucket and here's your name tag. And, you know, here's where you wash your hands and here's where you put on your sunscreen when you're done and here's your hat and here are your sunglasses. And it is true, as I can tell you, I have, you know, basically three teenagers, um, two full-blown teenagers and one 10-year-old, that those habits do get lost. And as kids sort of become more responsible for themselves as they go through school, they that idea of sun and what goes along with that gets really lost Um, and the only place you kind of see it pop up again is maybe in the summer at when they go to camp and you as a parent are still labeling their stuff that's the only time I label my teenagers stuff is when they're going Mm -hmm. away for three weeks or even to a day camp and I don't want them to 
you know, I don't need to go through a billion sunblocks, so I write their name on the one they take to the beach that day. Right. Um, but I don't know if they use it, you know. I know they use it before they leave because I watched them put it on. Um, but that's the only time it sort of pops up again. And, you know, and, and like you, I live in a very sunny year-round climate, and and they go to school where it's mostly outside. So they get sun right. exposure all day long. Um all day, every day, all year long, and not just at, you know, when they're playing sports, but just walking to and from different classes. So it is something that it definitely does get lost, and that would be an incredible mission to address directly with school systems and, and you know, that's not going to be easy, and you're going to, you know, the pushback on lack of funding, and I don't even know, sure. will be a, a, a definite challenge, but, but I do think it's worth it, and I think that with the right approach and just sheer determination, grit, and desire, it, it, it can be done, um, and I think it's all about the evidence and science that says this is worth it. And I do think also that when you build these habits with kids while they're growing up and, they're, and all through adolescence, they'll have it for the rest of their lives. And, you know, I didn't build in and anyone that I know, women more than men, I will say, we didn't build in sunblock as a daily routine until our late 20s when mm-hmm. we really started to think about wrinkles. Um, and that's a shame. I didn't think about that at all as a teenager or way before then. We only put on sunscreen when I was, you know, quote unquote, going to be outside for a while in the blazing sun. Um, and, and I think that's still the case with so many. Um, you know, I can think of right now, my kids, the elementary school they go to, they went to and one still is at, it is so sunny. It is at the top of a hill and it gets blasted with sun. And there have been parents year after year that have advocated towards um, putting some sort of sun block or um, like a shade structure or something. something. Yeah, Yeah. some sort of shade structure over the main lawn. And the school has pushed back saying, you know, aesthetically it won't look good. And that's sort of been, uh, you know, it's been a stop. It just doesn't go farther than that, which is, you know, in this day and age, it just seems unbelievable. But, you know, then you, you say, okay, then my kid's going to wear a hat and sunglasses every day during recess. But what about when they walk across the lawn to and from, you know? In yeah, I think it's, so, it's tricky. Yeah. I think it can be challenging. And, and also then I try to think of, okay, well, what can you do? So maybe it's right. as a mother, okay, we need to take our, our teenagers in once a year and start telling them that they need to see a dermatologist once a year or you, you make a plan with your board certified dermatologist in concert with your primary physician, you know, given your history, because it's not always once a year for some people if you've had a past history. So I think for what might be helpful is, okay, well, we need to do our yearlies and we need to make a, a point of every month reminding our kids to check their bodies. And so that might be a, an easy step at this point. Or going one step further and saying, well, we always take our kids in for an annual checkup. Most people do. 
why isn't that a part of the annual checkup? So yes, yeah. your pediatrician isn't a dermatologist, but it can absolutely be part of a checklist and just doing a quick glance and then saying as part of a checklist, you need, to, you know, I, it's important to see a dermatologist for parents where that's not even on their radar and sure. saying, here's a referral to a dermatologist. And, you know, one of the amazing things that's happened, and I think maybe we'll conclude with this, that during this time, you know, during COVID right now, so many parents are so nervous to take their kids to any doctor for anything. And my, I do my annual checkups for my kids um, right around this time every year. It, it doesn't really coincide with anyone's birthday, but I just do it before the summer really honestly because it's the time I get all their forms for school and camps and it's easiest for me. So right. I called my doctor, I called their doctor and I said, what do you think? And she said, you should absolutely bring them in. To be honest with you, we're empty. All the sick patients are doing telemedicine and anyone with any sort of coronavirus symptoms we're sending out, we're sending elsewhere to get tested. The only patients we're seeing right now are infants who are getting vaccinated. And so if you have well kids for well checkups, bring them in. Two of your kids are due for, for boosters. So I said, great, let's go. So we went in. It was literally we were the only people there. And I also took one of my kids to the dermatologist a couple of weeks ago because he had something else going on, and the dermatologist was working, and she noticed something else that she wanted to look at. And one of the things that happens during times when we're so scared, you know, about so much that's unknown is we push the sort of things that we're supposed to do for our kids, vaccinations, well checkups, things that we normally are diligent about on the back burner. And that is one thing to remember going through this time is uh, once again, back to the beginning, like you said, and I did is, you know, know your normal and know who you have to advocate for their normals too. So if it's a parent, their ch- your children, or if it's a partner, look out for them too. And even when, you know, you're nervous to go to the doctor, don't let those things slide and don't push them off because these are, this it's just as important today as it was a couple months ago. And your doctor's still there to help you and still there to work with you. And if it, you need to do it over the phone or need to do it via video, that's fine too, but don't, you know, don't forget about things like their vaccinations and don't forget about things like you saw a mole that looks a lot bigger than it did four months ago. Don't wait. That's not something to do for yourself or your child or your partner because that's equally as important now as it's always been. And I think that at all times, it's really important to remember that. And even times when we're feeling really insecure um, and really nervous about sort of the world, I think it's that it almost is grounding to remember that we still have to take care of ourselves. You know, uh, things that we've always done are still is equally as important. Um, and I think that it's really important even for our kids to see us do that. Um, I think it gives them a sense of stability and a sense of normalcy during a time that is so abnormal. Mm-hmm. I think that's exactly right. And I think that in in many ways, if you're not moving forward with your health, you're maybe moving back. And if you don't feel comfortable to go to the office, 
it, call and find out when they're open. And at least that's one step that you've moved forward of doing something for your health. I totally agree. I agree. And I thank you so much for what you're doing. I think it's so important. I mean, it's beyond important. And we all know someone who's had some sort of skin cancer issue or some sort of skin cancer care. Say it to my kids all the time, you know. All it takes is one bad burn. And it's, it's a lifetime of diligence. And it's a lifetime of being smart and taking care of yourself and not being reckless out there. Um, in all that we do and being smart, but also having fun and enjoying yourself. And we're just lucky that we can do both. So, you know, with that, all the girls who are going to lay out all summer and, you know, if we can, if we can actually sit on the sand in the beach this summer, do it safely and uh, put sunblock on. For sure. Thank you so much. And thank you also for all you do with prevention. It's so important. 